1: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard,
0: and I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hello, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? Great. How about yourself?
1: I'm great. No field trips this week. Where are we going this weekend?
0: No, no field trips. Oh, We're come staying right on. here, right here in
1: beautiful Los Angeles. Party pooper. <laughs> um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Jimin of the pop group BTS debuts straight in at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart with Like Crazy, and how his album Face starts at number two on the Billboard 200. Plus, the top 10 of the Billboard 200 is packed with debuts, as the latest albums from Lana Del Rey, Luke Combs, and Fall Out Boy all arrive in the region. Also on the show, we have an interview with Lewis Capaldi. We
0: have the Hot 100 topping Scottish artist back on the show to talk about his brand new Netflix documentary, Lewis Capaldi, How I'm Feeling Now. So stick around for that in just a minute. Plus some late-breaking pop shop news. Dua Lipa is in the Barbie movie. And this Barbie's a mermaid. She's a mermaid. So we got to talk about that. Are we Are getting like a song from Dua on the soundtrack? Who knows? But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Should we talk about Dua right now? Let's talk about Dua.
1: Um, so there's a new trailer that's out that came out today on yes. Tuesday.
0: And then character posters as well for for each of the many Barbies involved. S- so
1: many Kins. <laughs> well, I didn't realize this. There's like, they're all, like, they're all, all, all the female Barbies, or all the female characters are all basically named Barbie. I guess it's all the, you know, adult Iterations women. of Barbie. We'll see if there's a Skipper or a Midge or any of the other oh, characters no. in the mix. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's multiple Kins. And Dua Lipa is... A mermaid. Yeah,
0: she. This Barbie's a mermaid. That's what her caption is. Um, but she's not in the trailer. She's not in the trailer. She has a lovely blue, electric blue wig, probably matching her mermaid tail.
1: Uh, this makes me think. Yes. That she has a small role in the film mm-hmm. where she sings something. Ooh, like an Ariel type mermaid, where she's got a lovely voice. Ah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Not like mine. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping. Maybe Dua has an original song in the film written for Barbie that oh, maybe Oh, an do, Oscar contender? There we go. Dua co-writes a, a possible Oscar nominated best original song from Barbie. So
0: Keith isn't isn't picturing Dua covering Aqua's Barbie Girl. Then. There's also that. That's <laughs> probably what's really happening.
1: Someone's going to cover Aqua's Barbie Girl. Someone has to. If it's not her, it could be BB Rexa. There you go. I mean, she did I'm Good Blue. Yeah. And uh, uh, David Guetta has another new sort of 90s throwback. He has a new song with Anne-Marie, friend of the podcast, called Baby Don't Hurt Me, which samples hadaways What Is Love. Oh, love that. Man, he is just mining the 90s, and I'm here for it. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we get, what is it, Dua Lipa and David Guetta doing... <laughs> Our Aqua's Barbie girl uh, for Barbie.
0: They could have a lot of fun with that soundtrack. Or if, ma- I or mean, it sounds like they're having a lot of fun with like the entire concept of the movie in general. Maybe it's like Silk City and Dua Lipa
1: coming back oh, together. Oh, well,
0: you know I love that idea. But we what we do know okay. musically from the film is that uh, Beach Boys' Fun, Fun, Fun <laughs> is repeated <laughs> ad, ad nauseum <laughs> in the trailer. So <laughs> we do know we're getting that
1: as part of the music, perhaps. <laughs> we're going to have Fun, 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 Fun. We're just going to keep
0: having fun, 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 and that's it.
1: We're not going to have Finn Finn. Oh, fun, fun, fun. But Dua Lipa does have a fin. Oh, wow. How about the chart chat, Keith? Hey. (laughs) All right. Well, first up, Jimin of the pop group BTS makes a splash on the charts this week. Was that a mermaid reference, too? Oh, <laughs> Unknowing, unknowingly. Uh, as his single, Like Crazy, debuts at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, both his first top 10 and first number one as a soloist. While the track's parent album, Face, opens at number two on the Billboard 200. Face is also Jimin's first solo album. Like Crazy debuts at number one on the Hot 100, mostly owed to its huge sales number. 254,000 tracks and CD singles sold combined in the U.S. in the week ending March 30th, of course, according to Luminate. It helps that there are actually five different versions of the song to purchase, too, which sometimes some artists do. such I as- listened to all of them. You did. I did. Oh, so let me let me say this last sentence. Yes, like Taylor go for it. Taylor Swift did that um, with anti-hero. I think at one point she had like nine different versions of the song available. Mm-hmm. So Jimin's not alone in doing this.
0: Oh no, absolutely not. But I did listen to all of them because our five burning questions this week is about uh, Jimin hitting number one on the hot one hundred. What are the five different versions, Katie? There is a UK garage version version there's a deep house version uh-huh. there is an instrumental version there is of course the original korean and then there's korean and english versions yeah. of the original so
1: that's the five yeah which do you have a preference
0: well actually yes i and i say this uh, i've already stated this on five burning questions but uh, i think the original's the best like i sometimes i think a deep house remix adds a lot to a song, but I actually enjoy the the original production best out of all the options. Oh, well, there so, go. Made, what made. if I were like I like the instrumental best?
1: Get out! <laughs> I would not say that. Get out of here. Um, well, on the Billboard 200, Face enters at number two again, powered by sales. This time from its as typical for K-pop titles, collectible deluxe CD packages. The set bows with 164,000 equivalent album units earned of which album sales comprise 124,000, and that's the third largest sales week of 2023. Next, staying with the Billboard 200, as Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time holds at number one for a fourth straight week, the entirety of its chart run. The Top 10 also welcomes new entries from Lana Del Rey, Luke Combs, and Fall Out Boy. Del Rey's album, did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? I did because Taylor Swift told me on stage in Las Vegas. No, I'm just joking. I knew that. <laughs> uh, well, it, this album starts at number three, marking her ninth top ten. Notably, the set sold 58,500 copies on vinyl LP, the biggest sales week of 2023 for a vinyl album, and Del Rey's largest week on vinyl ever. The album also notches her biggest streaming week ever as its songs generated 36.1 million on-demand official streams in its first week.
0: I should also just say that during our Billboard Women in Music event where Lana Del Rey was honored, she uh, got such massive screams from the crowd. I mean, like, I don't know that there's like an example of an artist like this who has just quietly been building into this super Cult star. figure. Yes, yeah. cult figure. Without,
1: like, any real, like, pop hits except for Summertime Sadness when it was remixed.
0: Right. And then, on top of that, it's like, it's, her cult is growing.
1: Her yeah. cult is building. Her, her following is growing.
0: The fact that she just had her biggest vinyl and biggest streaming week after being around for 15 years, 15 years, something like that. Something like
1: Also, like, apparently um, pretty great critical notices as well.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, and, like, I, I referenced this, but... Taylor Taylor Swift Swift. big upped her on stage the day of the release on Friday, mobilizing the Swifties to to support, stream, and buy Lana Del Rey. uh, (laughs) That
1: couldn't have hurt. As it couldn't have hurt. As a side note, uh, Taylor uh, shared on her Instagram story this morning or last night a little promo for Boy Genius.
0: Oh, I love that! Phoebe
1: Bridgers
0: and Lucy Dacus, and I'm gonna forget the third person now. Ah, I'm
1: missing Julian Baker. There we go. Um, Well, their album came out last Friday, and uh, Taylor took to social media to big up Boy Genius. Well, you know, that can only help, again. Maybe every week we'll get a new uh, co-sign from Taylor uh, 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 lifting up a— it's like Oprah's book club. uh, (laughs) Lifting up an album or artist that she enjoys. Taylor's album club. I mean, she used to do that more often. And we would immediately see the a impact spike. of it. A spike. Yeah,
0: I, I do. I mean, I remember, I think I heard of the 1975 for the first time from Taylor Swift's Twitter account. So exactly the kind
1: of thing that she's always done. Um, all right. Luke Combs, his getting old starts at number four, his fifth top 10, all earned consecutively. The album yields Combs's biggest streaming week, too, with, 100 and, 100? No, with 85.4 million on-demand official streams for its 18 songs in its first week. And lastly, oh, wait one sorry? second,
0: oh. gotta mention Luke Combs is Billboard's current cover star for our touring issue. Oh, right, right, right. It's a great story. I think you should check it out. And one of my favorite parts of it was where he explains why he doesn't charge for meet and greets. It's
1: he doesn't kinda badass. charge for meet and
0: greets? He's like, I don't think someone should pay to meet me.
1: Well, <laughs> well how does that work out? He just meets millions of people that... Line up I guess you just the- you
0: sign up to meet him, and, the, and then he goes. Oh, maybe, maybe
1: it's sort of like <laughs> they a They might lottery. be limited. It's like a limited lottery yeah, situation.
0: Yeah, but he he doesn't do like a VIP package like for meeting him. Yeah, that's, that's very country. You know? It's very nice. And he wears a series of trucker hats in our photo shoot, like a Bass Pro Shops trucker hat and like a Miller Lite trucker do, hat. Do we,
1: do we think he's endorsed by Miller Lite and Bass?
0: I, I mean, the cover of Billboard magazine has a Miller Lite hat on it. So,
1: you know, he's like a like a NASCAR driver out here wearing his wearing his brands. All over. (laughs) Um, Also on the album, by the way, is uh, he has a cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. I didn't know that. I love that song. It debuted on the Hot 100, I think, this week. Oh, my God. I will be listening to that immediately after this podcast. Uh, Lastly, in the top 10, Fall Out Boy's So Much for Stardust, and four is in the parenthetical, rounds out the debuts in the top 10 as it starts at number six. It's the seventh top 10 for the band and the first new studio album from the group since 2018's Chart Topping Mania. Ooh, we talked to Pete
0: after they topped the chart, didn't we, with Mania? I, for the podcast, I talked to him. I should say, Did on the we, phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. When he got a number one album, I don't remember that. Yeah, that—that's the thing that happened. Where was so I? You probably don't remember it because you were—you were not in town. It was a phoner, and so I just took it. Boo. By myself,
1: um, just me and Pete. I I do have a memory of talking to Fall Out Boy backstage at one of those iHeart shows in Vegas. Mm, yes. Oh, that, so they technically were on the podcast altogether. I
0: remember that it, we, was, it was a we, ga- fishbowl game. It was a like
1: fishbowl game of questions yes. because I had them for like all of like you know five minutes. So it was like you know it's like three minutes with Fallout Boy. Yeah, but they were good sports and they were fun, and um, I remember I remember it being a good experience. This is such a side note, but
0: I don't know if you have followed along that um, Joe Troman is not in the group currently. Oh, who used, you spoke used with? used to be a four piece. No. It's, Five? It's, no. No, it's three. <laughs> it used to be four of them. Okay. Well, Joe is um, the guitarist, and he's been with them since the beginning. Okay. And he announced um, earlier this year that he needed a mental health break. Okay. So he's stepping aside, and he did make this album with them that is uh, debuting on the charts this week, uh, but he's not touring with them. I see. Yeah. Oh. And that actually felt like a decent transition because we're going to talk about our our guest this week who is a man named Lewis Capaldi. Yes, let's get to our guest. All right, so now it's time for our interview with Lewis Capaldi. Um, Keith and I actually last chatted with Lewis on the podcast to tell him in 2019 that his breakthrough hit, Someone You Loved, had climbed to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. And now, four years later, we are chatting about his new documentary called Lewis Capaldi, How I'm Feeling Now, which arrives on Netflix on Wednesday. So the film is a very open look at Lewis being, you know, catapulted into fame and learning how to navigate his own mental health in the issue or in the eye of the storm. We chatted with Lewis about getting really vulnerable for this film. Um, it's wild because I think a lot of people know of Lewis as a funny, happy-go-lucky, you know, like straight-up comedian on his social media, you know, or in interviews, including this one. Actually, he's very funny. Yeah, but this film is. It gets deep and 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 dark, and he just does not hold back, and his family do not hold back, and he really is uh, an open book, to are say we, the
1: least. Are, are are you going to say explicitly why uh, this movie is so sort of emotional?
0: Well, you mean just like
1: his diagnosis.
0: I, well, he his Tourette's diagnosis, Yes, which
1: I don't think a lot of people necessarily.
0: Yeah, know. actually, there we did an article. Which I did literally not. Oh, know okay, until so we I we actually movie. did an article earlier this year from his um, tour when he was touring Europe. He had uh, he his Tourette's tics fl- like flamed up while he was performing. Mm. I think it was in Germany, and he like couldn't sing anymore because of it. Like he couldn't get on track, and the crowd like took over singing the song for him. And it's like this really beautiful moment that a fan captured um, from the concert. So I did know about that. So that wasn't revealed in the film, but yes, it happens in the film where he finds out that he's diagnosed with Tourette's and then also um, just, it, uh, it sounds like a, a lifelong battle with, you know, depression, mental, mental health issues in general, uh, including like family issues. Uh, uh, mental health issues too that they get into it's real there's a lot it's a lot it's really it's so worth watching yes there are lighter moments as well including uh moments when he gets support uh from elton john from ed sheeran from niall horan which
1: we asked him about
0: which we asked him about um so we talk about all of it here and as always lewis uh keeps it light and hilarious um we also talked about his uh kicking off the u.s tour last week in nashville where he got to go to uh, the Ryman Auditorium, where the Grand Ole Opry films, and he had some funny thoughts about Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton. He slipped in there as well. So just you got to listen to this interview. So here is our chat with Lewis Capaldi.
2: I'd be
0: if you were how I'm feeling now. Hello to Lewis Capaldi and welcome to the Pop Shop podcast.
2: Pop pop shop. Pop, pop shop, and <laughs> in the pop shop, in the pop shop. That's a new jingle. We've got a theme song now. We've got now. a theme
1: song now, you guys. <laughs> you know, I nailed we, it. We didn't have to pay him anything, no royalties involved at all. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm doing it out of the kindness of my heart.
0: <laughs> well, first of all, the last time that the two of us had a chance to talk to you was back in October 2019, and we got to tell you over the phone that Someone You Loved was the number one song in America. It so... It's a nice full circle moment to talk to you about this new Netflix film because it really documents everything you've been through in the years since and how you've weathered the highs and the lows of having that kind of unreal success. So, first of all, why did you want to make this documentary?
2: Uh, I didn't want to make a documentary, but I, if I'm being honest, <laughs> but the idea was brought to me. And, I w- and it sounded really fun. And I was like, all right, cool. This is like, I never sat down and went, people need to hear my story. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't that kind of, people deserve to hear this. That wasn't my thought process. But we got this, uh, uh, we had a meeting with, with the director, Joe, and he was, I think it'd be a really cool thing. And he sort of pitched it. Remember, this is late 2019 prior to COVID. So I'm thinking in my head, this documentary is going to be fireworks. It's going to be, I'm going to be on stage in front of, hundreds of thousands of people I'll be on tour I'm going to be killing it my life's going to, look, going to look amazing and then obviously Covid happened and all that went away but we still had committed to make this documentary and I was like oh god this is going to be really, a really boring documentary however he's really put it together well and um, I'm, yeah I'm really proud of it I'm really happy with it but it was uh, yeah it was never a life's ambition but um, I'm really yeah I'm just really happy that it's been made and in, in a way, I mean, don't get me wrong. It would have been nice to make one that was like, "Look how cool my life is," but um, instead of "Look how look at my life." Do you know what I mean? I kind of feel like that's the difference this time. I was, it's kind of, it's quite depressing. There's
0: a little bit of everything in it. There's yeah. the highs and the lows. It's very dynamic.
2: Yes. It's when like- I first saw, when I saw the first draft, I, it was so depressing. I was like, "Do I?" do I die at the end of this? Is that what happens here? Do you know what I mean? It was like that. It was that sad. But um, but yeah, no, I think um, I am really proud of it. And I'm really happy that it's coming out and people are going to see it. It's a very nerve-wracking thing, though, because it is quite um, vulnerable. Uh,
1: yeah, it, it is. And that made me think, <laughs> you know, as I was watching it, I'm like, how much creative control did you have in in this movie? Like, did you... You know do you have any hesitation you know in including certain <coughs> moments or or certain things in the movie that we see
2: yeah for sure and I I don't I didn't have much creative control and I think that's the best way do you know what I mean I don't think um I don't like document like some documentaries you watch and it feels like you're watching like a propaganda video do you know what I mean and I think that can be um a sort of a sort of weird thing and 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 you can kind of tell when someone's had a sort of big hand in the way things have been portrayed and whatever. And I and I yeah, so I didn't really have any sort of creative control. Maybe if I looked really ugly in one shot, they would change it to another shot where I looked slightly less ugly. But it was it wasn't anything much beyond that. Um yeah, I think for me it was like yeah, it's important to have it be <coughs> look, if if I had the creative control of this documentary, it wouldn't look like how it looks. Do you know what I mean? It would be very much it would we've cut out all the sort of really sad parts and my life would look great. And I think that's it's just the sort of instinct that we all have, but like that sort of Instagram sort of thing of like, oh, I want to show the best sides of my life, blah, 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 But I think um I think it's a good thing that I didn't really have that sort of um control over it. And I think I trust I trusted Joe um completely. And I think he's not I knew he wasn't gonna paint me, like I, I, I knew it wasn't gonna I know who I, I, I am to a degree I don't think I'm a I'm a horrible person I think I'm a I don't think I'm a good person but I think I'm okay um, in that regard so I didn't think it was going to come, come across like awful at any point I really trusted Joe, Joe I've seen stuff he's done before that's been handled really delicately and um yeah I think it's 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 better that I didn't have any sort of um, plus I've never made a film so I don't know anything I don't know the first thing about like Take this out, and it might be a complete. Like, uh, it's one of these things. So, um, and I'm lazy, so I was kind of like, sorry, let me put that out there. I'm a really lazy guy, so I watched it, and I was like, look, it's pretty. I'm pretty nervous to be seen this, but also I don't want to make any notes, so just go for it. Do you know what I mean?
0: Um, you know, as you're evidencing right now, a lot of people know you in addition to your music for how funny you are on your social media and in your interviews. And you know, obviously, this is the super way more serious side of you. Um, you know, was that part of the hope that you know Joe and and you went into this like showing you know a whole person, like all the the
2: good and the bad. Um, I don't think so. Like, I, I, Maybe for Joe, again, I, I, I really, really thought this was going to be, my life's fucking amazing, look at me, I'm this cool guy, and look, I'm cracking wise all the time. But it was, it has been like a real sort of, I think it, it really marries, I always get asked questions about like, the music's so sad, but you're so sort of like happy and jovial. And I think, yeah, that's really does marry the two I suppose, I think this meets in the middle somewhere and you can kind of see we it all comes together sorry my, i'm getting so many emails you are <laughs> so in demand right now yeah. i don't know if you can hear that little can you hear the a little
0: ping yeah we, yeah we yeah. can
2: hear it it's all right oh my god i've never been so
1: popular i told you i was famous cool. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. this we can have just an entire documentary it's
2: just nothing but your email chiming yeah, at us exactly. <laughs> that's never happened before in my life but um but yeah no i think as you, as i was saying it really marries the two and i think um That is something, again, I never, I never expected, but maybe Joe sort of always had that in the back of his head. It wouldn't surprise me. He's very, he's a very talented man in that regard. But um, yeah, I never, I never thought it was going to be, I I didn't know what to expect. It's just sort of, if someone said to you guys, oh, I'm going to make a documentary of your life. I suppose you're like, all right, cool. I I thought it was going to be the most boring fucking watch ever. And some people still might say it is, uh, but like, I really didn't... I lived quite an ordinary life outside of making music and all the rest of it, especially during COVID, especially making the second record because it's like, you're just floating around. It's very easy to go fly under the radar and stuff. So I was really like, this is going to be so fucking boring. I think I say it in the film. I don't know who's going to watch this or like whatever, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Um, yeah, I'm 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 happy with how it turned out though. I think it's good. Um, I mean, I, I will say before I say the next
1: question, like I was... I guess I was taken aback by just sort of how normal everything was, you know, just living at home, you know, with your parents in a very normal, very normal existence. And then at one point, you know, when you go to LA to work with, you know, (laughs) songwriters and, you know, meet up with the Capitol executives, it's like so different. It's just like, it's like night and day. And I'm like, it's so jarring. I'm like, how does a person deal with this? So that isn't my question. I just wanted to just no, reflect. Totally. <laughs> but no, you can, totally if you want to no.
2: comment on that, you can. No, no, I appreciate. It. No, but I like totally. And it's like, I guess that's and that's one of the things I didn't really um myself sort of take in how how jarring though that that is that juxtaposition is. I think when you see it on screen, you're like fucking hell, this is, it is mental. And I'm like wondering why I'm so anxious all the time. It's like, well, because you've literally been taken from this sort of completely chilled out lifestyle, nothing really going on, quite slow, not fast paced, and then plunked into this sort of completely surreal um, industry. So it's, uh, yeah, no, thank you. I'm I'm glad that comes across. Um, Okay, so now the actual question. So in
1: in the movie, you know, we see, you know, you have... Um, friendships and relationships with Elton John and Ed Sheeran and and, and Niall Horan um, you know have they been a good support system for you as you've been navigating this fame and this sort of topsy-turvy world that you find yourself in now
2: I'll say yeah for sure definitely when I open up to them I have a problem with like I'm really I really get concerned about overstepping the mark and overstepping like I just I'm always like thinking, oh, they're probably seeing an email from me, and like, oh fuck, here's this, here's this cunt again. Are be fucking moaning about something? Do you know what I mean? Like that's kind of my that's my thought process. Um, so yeah, when I reach out to them, and it's they've never given me cause to think that. By the way, it's just how I am in my head. Um, but yeah, when I reach out, they're amazing. Like Niall's great, and Niall's like <laughs> very much become like. Like a friend, like Nile's gone from being Nile. This is another weird thing. it has gone from being Nile Horn in One Direction to like being like a, a very, very dear friend, and I, and, I, and I love him. And it's like, um, yeah, he's been amazing just for like just general day to day stuff. Nile's great for like if I want to buy a couch, do you know what I mean? He's good, at, he's a very good, a key eye for interior design, does Nile. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, so like Nile's good for that stuff. Like the, the Elton thing, I never even. I had told Ed about the imposter syndrome thing and then Elton, Ed told Elton, which is mental to me that Ed Sheeran and Elton John are having a conversation about me when I'm not there. But, um, and then Elton messaged me like completely blue. So <coughs> yeah, they've been amazing. And it's, I think it's because they've all been through similar things. Like I was with Ed on Monday and having, I had probably, the conversation I had on Monday was probably the most sort of, um I guess the most the 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 I don't the word I hate the word deep, but it was like the most like open and honest and really sort of amazing conversation I've had with him since and in, in like the two three years that I've known him. So it's been like it's just one of these things. It's they have been great, and I think it's for me, I need to be more like right. These people are they do want to help. Do you know what I mean? I think Elton's like I've been for dinner with Elton twice, and he's like. So that's all he all he cares about is how he can help and how he wants to like he wants to make sure you're okay and that's that's the questions he asks it's very rarely very seldom me talking about like your successes or anything like that. it's like how are you doing so it's it is quite a it's quite a nice thing to know that people who are like you know at the top of the, like the upper echelons of this and who've done it all and seen it all are like really still very compassionate and very um just very lovely do you know what I mean
0: That's great. And, you know, the film is called How I'm Feeling Now. And you also release a song of the same name, which will be on your upcoming second album, Broken by Desire to be Heavenly Sent, which is set to come out in May. Yes. And you've already had two UK number one singles come out of that project um, before we've even heard the whole thing. uh, Forget Me and Pointless. So I'm, I'm wondering, do you think that these songs that we've heard to this point, um, are a pretty accurate picture of, of the album, or, or should we expect some some curveballs from the album? What's
2: well, definitely there's definitely some curveballs for sure. There's one song that I did with Max Martin and his team. Uh,
1: I was yeah. so hoping Max was going to be in the movie that he was going to be in LA with you or something. Oh,
2: but honestly, <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I, do you know what? I, I the first time I ever well, my t- I went to Sweden and worked. So Max wasn't in the room with me. We wrote the song and then he kind of came in and added some bits. Hmm. But the first time I was in the studio recording with Oscar Gorez and Shellback and we were in we were just working and blah, blah blah and Max FaceTimes Oscar and he goes oh this is Lewis by the way and I go oh Max it's so nice to meet you and Max goes oh we've met before and I'm <laughs> and I'm like nah I think I'd remember that Max Martin uh, I think, and he's like no no we definitely met before and I'm like how the fuck have I managed to slip the fact that I've met but I met him at the Brit Awards when I was absolutely rat assed I was hammered so sure. I, I can't be held responsible for that but yeah, uh, but yeah that was pretty mortifying but yeah the song I did with, with his, him and his team um, like Savankatecha Bat Max and uh, Oscar Holter it's, it's uh, uh, and I say this really tentatively because I know I'm aware of the music I make and my level of, and who I'm comparing it to. But like, it sounds like a, it's like a prince sort of vibe. Now, again, let me just pause there. I'm not saying it's anywhere near as good as that. I'll say it's a cheap knockoff, is what well. <laughs> I'll say. A cheap prince knockoff. But it, for me, it's a very, it's a big departure. um, but yeah, it's in that world, and it's weird, like that. I would—that's not what I thought I was going to do when I went over to Sweden. Do you know what I mean? But, um, but that's there. And then you've got sort of like a—you've got this one, the second last song called "How This Ends," which is like very—it's um, it's just a bit different from what I've done before. There's a song called "Heavenly Kind of Stay in Mind," which is like a really happy love song, which is strange for me. Because obviously, I'm not usually happy or in love. But um, yeah, it's pretty like, usually, I set out to make um, when, this album, when I was doing this album, I was like, I'm going to do the exact same thing again. That was my plan. I planned to have no creative growth whatsoever. I planned to stay in the same line because it felt good and I felt safe there. And I felt like, do you know what? I'm just hitting my stride. The last two songs I wrote for the album my first album were were the biggest ones and I was like I'm gonna gonna, gonna sit in this and I'm gonna enjoy it Um, but yeah just naturally I think sort of progressed and um, yeah it became a bit yeah it's a bit bit of everything in there which is um, not what I thought I'd be seeing oh wait so Katie I know you're about to say something but (laughs) Lewis just offered something (sighs) the last two
1: songs you wrote for the last album were Mm. the two biggest hits yes according,
2: according to you um, what were the last two songs you wrote for this album? Last two songs you wrote for this album was a song called Wish You The Best, which is the next single. And I think how I'm feeling there was the last song, was the other last song I wrote for this album, I think. There we go. There yeah. we go. I
0: just wanted to finish on the note of uh, saying your la- you uh, kicked off your North American tour last night, <sighs> and I would love to know how that first show went.
2: It was great. It was at the Grand Ole Opry, which is fucking wild. I was sat in the bathroom... Taking a dump, and I was like, "Whoa, Johnny Cash is probably taking a shit in here." Do you know what I mean? I was like, "This is a beautiful. This is incredible. Wow! Think about Dolly Parton evacuating her bills in this gaff. This is beautiful." Um, uh, Just a quote machine, Lewis. (laughs) Um, No, no, but it was it was incredible. It's one of. I'm not someone who's like very. uh, I'm not like sentimental or like. sort I don't really hold like. Do you know what I mean? I have a hard time. What, you walk into a room and you go, or like you see like, first time I saw Times Square, I was a bit like, alright, cool this is a place with lots of screens it's very busy and noisy, I'm really not into it, but like <laughs> <laughs> walking into Grand Ole Opry and stuff, you're just the, the, you just feel like this is fucking mental, and I think it's because they make a point of like, as well like there's all the sort of old sort of um what do you call it, outfits that the, the country singers used to wear there and it's just you can feel and again I hate this because it feels like a cliche but you can feel the history when you walk into the room and stuff but it is like it's an incredible thing and like there's a wee circle at the front of the stage where the is like the old the original stage that's there and I performed like my last two songs on there and you do just feel like a little bit um, yeah you feel like it's a bit of a bucket list moment so it was incredible the crowd were great and um, yeah I loved it and hopefully we're in Atlanta tomorrow, so hopefully that goes swimmingly.
0: Amazing. Well, Lewis, thank you so much for chatting with us, and good luck with the film and with the tour and with the album
2: and, and your, very, your very busy schedule. Thank you, guys, and, and thank you for taking the time out to speak to me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Happy to do it. Thanks, one See Bye. you later, guys. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye.
0: Thank you so much to Lewis for coming back on the Pop Shop podcast. You are such a delight to speak with. I hope that it's not another four years before we chat with him because... He's wonderful, and his new album comes out in May.
1: Yeah, and and we got to hear a lot, um, you know, about the new album. He told us a lot about you know specific songs on the album mm-hmm. and who he got to work with and
0: Max Martin. Max
1: Martin, Mark, Max F and Martin. He That's has, the pop dream right lo- there. Lo- love that. Love his uh, story about how Max, Max <laughs> Martin. We've met like, him previously. We've, we've met before. It's like, no, we haven't. Like, mm, <laughs> mm, we have. Um, That's but, how crazy Lewis's life had gotten. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it, exactly. Um, all right well now, it's time for the Chart Stat of the Week.
0: Pop, pop, pop pop, pop, pop
1: okay, so this is more of a Tribute Chart Stat of the Week, sort of, this week, as we remember legendary record executive Seymour Stein, who died on April 2nd at age 80 of cancer. Stein who actually began his career at Billboard in the 1950s as a teenage intern kind of like Keith although he wasn't a teen a teen intern were you or were you technically uh, i was an intern when i was uh, like junior so 20, probably. Yeah, I don't think he's okay. technically a okay. teenager, but wow, that'd be hilarious. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't found it a label yet, though. Um, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> well, uh, Stein went on to co-found Sire Records in 1967. Stein interned at Billboard in the late 1950s and early 1960s and was amazingly working under the then head of the charts department when the Billboard Hot 100 was created in 1958. Also, fun fact, Sire's most famous artist was born the same month as the Hot 100 launched, while Stein was an intern. Little did he know. More on that in a moment. In 1970s, Sire signed such acts as the Ramones and the Talking Heads, and by 1980, Warner Brothers Records had purchased Sire, though Stein stayed on board as its leader. In 1982, uh, Stein signed someone you may have heard of, Madonna, from a hospital bed, no less. And, well, we know how well she did. Um, (laughs) And, yes, uh, she was the artist that was born in 1958 while Stein was a Billboard intern. So here is a sampling of some of the many hit singles that Sire released in the United States that were hits on some of our charts, including the Hot 100. Looking forward to this. This is literally just a few. Like, and if I mention an artist and I don't say some of their songs, it doesn't mean that those songs weren't on Sire either. Okay. So here we have M's Pop Music. Pop, 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 pop music. music. A number one hit. Bony M's Rivers of Babylon. Talking Heads Burning Down the House. Tom Tom Club's Genius of Love. The Pretender's Brass in Pocket. I'm Special. Soft Cell's Tainted Love, Yaz's Situation, all of Madonna's singles from 1982 through mid-1995 including 11 of her number ones, Depeche modes, never let me down again. Enjoy the silence, and people are people. Ice ts colors. Seal's crazy, and kiss from a rose. Katie Lang's constant craving. Erasure's chains of love, and a little respect. The cult's firewoman, and she sells sanctuary. And through Madonna's Maverick label, which was part of Sire, Candleboxes Far Behind, and Michelle and Dagio Cello's If That's Your Boyfriend, He Wasn't Last Night. Wow. I'm sure I've missed a lot. But still. But still. An impressive sampling, to say It's just the least. A, a mere sampling of some of the hits that Sire brought us in America. If you're interested in learning more about uh, Seymour Stein and Sire Records, check out the mini compilation albums and box sets that the label released over the decades. There was a series of albums that Sire released that uh, were dubbed Just Say dot, dot, dot. The first one was Just Say Yes, and then uh, every few years they would release a new one and they would replace it with Just Say... Uh, Yo, I think, and then they had one that was Just Say Mao, (laughs) Uh, and they had Just Say Roe when Roe versus Wade Mm. was uh, in the news at at a different time. Oh, in the news, huh? Um, And they also had some recent expansive box sets, including Just Say Sire and Just Say 50, and the latter was celebrating the 50th anniversary of the label. So there you have it, a little uh, chart stat reflection about the late Seymour Stein, a former Billboard employee who went on to basically uh, help create – Music history. Has got to be a way. Down the house. Okay, we've reached the end of our big shoe. Uh, any parting words, Katie?
0: I have to say, Keith, I thought of you the minute I saw that Seymour Stein news this weekend because
1: I just knew that you would be a font of knowledge about Seymour and his career. It's, it's, um, yeah. I mean, I it was. It, I think it's one of those things where, like, if you have a favorite artist, um, you... You deep dive into every yeah. little piece of it. Yeah. And, and you learn the lore of it. And, I mean, yeah. come on. if When when Madonna was discovered at Danceteria, a club in New York, by an A&R guy for Sire and Warner at the time, and he found her, heard her music in a club, brought her to Seymour, who was laid up in the hospital with an illness and had an IV drip hooked up to him, and she came in with her boombox and a cassette tape... And apparently, I guess the first thing that he said to her when uh, he met her was, are you related to the Virgin Mary? (laughs) Um, And apparently they got along, you know, swimmingly. The rest is history. The rest is history. And, you know, um, so, yeah, when you have a favorite artist and you start to deep dive into sort of the lore of them and you learn a story like that about how the guy that signed her – in, in such a colorful, interesting situation, and then you learn about oh, what else did Sire? Cy- what else did the record label that my artist is on do? Uh-huh. A lot, it turns out. A lot, and you're yeah. like, wait, the Talking Heads and the Ramones, and like, what a cool label! And I have if- to say, when I knew Sire, I literally
0: like Madonna was the beginning and end of my knowledge when it came to it. So to really? hear all these other names, I literally
1: had no idea. Wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, apparently, uh, like Questlove uh, posted something on Instagram uh, yesterday because he knew C- I guess he met Seymour. C- when he joined the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm. sort of nominating committee, okay, and Seymour was part of that. When Questlove became part of that,
0: did Seymour have a part in creating yes. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes. That's right.
1: I thought I had read that. And eventually, Seymour himself was inducted into the Rock okay. and Roll Hall of Fame. I think in two thousand and five. Great. And um, in and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame actually posted on Instagram the part of his induction speech, um, his acceptance speech, and I think like the first line he says is, and I'm paraphrasing is, um, you know. Uh, little little did we know or little did I know, like, when I was a teenager coming home, you know, to my parents in Brooklyn, you know, with my first paycheck from Billboard, mm-hmm. that things would turn out the way that they did or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, sorry to ramble on, but, you know. No, it's important. Okay, my God, that was so much. Okay. <laughs> um, what song should we go out on? I mean, it feels like
0: we got to go out with a Sire song. I mean, sure. maybe one of the ones you just mentioned. Pick one. Let's go with um...
1: – a little respect. Ooh, good choice. <laughs> um, all right, see you guys next time. Bye. I hear you call.